Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. Hey everyone, I'm back for the second part of my three-part mini-series on group practice growth. Um, Today's episode will be talking to myself about how I grew my practice. So let's get right into it. Uh, My first question to myself is how did I decide on my hiring process and if I hired 1099 or employees and why? Uh, I talked a little bit in the first episode that I did start with 1099s or independent contractors, but ended up deciding to switch them to employees because of the role I was playing as the business owner. I was paying for a lot of the aspects of the group practice. They did not have to do their own billing, and I was paying for the EHR system. And so uh, that, among other things, I decided to switch my uh, clinicians to employees. With regards to how I decided on hiring, I did also bring this up a little bit in last uh, yesterday's episode that I was hiring people. I was hiring a new clinician every time the clinicians that were in the practice were already full, but that's actually not the best way of doing it. And I don't do that anymore. Um, the smartest route to go is when you are three quarters of the way or so full, start looking for another therapist to hire because it's not the quickest process. You'll be interviewing several people before you find the one that you like. It'll take them a while to fill out all the paperwork from W-2s and W-4s and getting their bios ready and applying for insurances if that's what you guys are using and getting their name out there. All of that takes a little bit of time. So while your other clinicians are still, you know, taking new clients, start to look at hiring another therapist. That's the route that I go now. And that seems to be the most effective because I am not feeling like everyone is full. I'm staring at a wait list and I'm just waiting and kind of rushing the next therapist into getting themselves all set up. How many staff do you have clinical and admin and what are their roles? So I have right now 10 clinicians in one psychologist, I'm trying to think if it's 10 clinicians in one psychologist or nine clinicians in one. So I have around 10. And I have one of my clinicians, I pay her extra to do the phones. And I love this because I had the hardest time for all of the years myself and my clinical director would switch off on answering the calls. I tried having a 24-hour answering service. I used several different ones and they would just make different mistakes, not answer the way I wanted them to, not give the referrals to the right clinicians, and lots of various mistakes. So what we decided was one of my therapists who works part-time, sees about 15 or so clients, has two kids in high school, and has some extra time that she can, you know, do this at home and her husband's at work. We have the phone's route our intake line route to her phone. And, uh, you know, since she's a social worker, she has all the background that's needed and she knows all of our staff back and backwards in front can make you know especially for clients who call not wanting a specific therapist and just want to see anyone she can really talk with them in a clinical sort of way and get the information that she needs to make a good referral to one of our therapists or to refer out if that's if that's needed and so this has been such a huge asset and uh, kind of a weight lifted off of me because as a business owner 
I, I know most people start with taking on everything. And then once you start to feel overwhelmed with all the tasks outside of seeing clients, you start to delegate. And, and that's what I, I delegate as much of it as I can. And it frees up some time uh, for me to actually enjoy life outside of the group practice. So um, I have one of my clinical staff who does the intake calls and schedules those appointments and lets the therapist know by email that they have a new client and lets our billing person know to um, check benefits and get them set up insurance-wise in our uh, system, which we use as therapy notes. So then our second admin person is our practice manager. That's my mom. Uh, she does uh, everything related, to, you know, administrative-wise. She does our billing accounting. I mean, we have an accountant, but she does our accounting within the income that we make. She does my payroll. Um, that's something that I've just recently given her because she has a little bit of extra time and she knows all the, where all the income is coming from anyways. So she does, yeah, billing, the accounting piece in therapy notes, payroll. Everyone has a four retirement account. She does all of that as well. She, what else does she do? Oh, she makes sure she helps clean our office as well. But she also, which probably wouldn't be any something that any other admin person would do. So that's just a benefit I get for having my mom here. She also checks if they're, if our paper is running low or our snacks are running low. She'll reorder those on Amazon for us. Yeah, ink running low, that kind of stuff. Since I'm not always in the office and she's in the office more consistently than I am during the daytime at least, she does uh, does all of that as well, which is great. The last kind of role aside from a clinician that I have is a clinical director. And that was the first thing that I actually did before having an in-house biller like my mom and an intake person was one use one of my therapists that I had at the time. She's been a clinical director for a couple of years now is have her be in charge of like the clinical aspect because we were had at the time maybe five or six therapists and you know questions come up we had weekly staff meetings which now are monthly that we would come together and do case consultation or supervision um, as a whole group but there were times if I was on vacation or just not in the office that clinicians had a quick question relating to uh, what they should do client case wise and so I asked one of my therapists who had past supervisory experience if she'd be willing to be the clinical director and kind of pick up where, you know, on things that I can't do when I'm not in the office. So her role is to do any sort of supervision or case consultation if a therapist needs them, you know, scheduling that uh, as an appointment so that they can sit together and uh, brainstorm and talk through those things. She also at the time was doing intake calls when I wanted a day off from it. And uh, obviously when I was on uh, out of town or on vacation, she would take over for that. She also checks our therapy notes stats and looks and sees, you know, if she notices that notes are thorough enough and just talking with the clinicians, if she's noticing that someone's not making good treatment plans or, you know, doesn't quite get what an objective is and to make sure that that's all, you know, looking, looking good on insurance side because insurance requires requires that sort of information to be specific in a sort of way. And then she also uh, will talk to clinicians, which she hasn't had to do because we have a really great set of clinicians at at my practice. But if there's ever um, concerns, whether it's they're not, you know, doing something correct, like 
uh, uploading, you know, the intake paperwork into therapy notes that she'll sit down and talk with them, you know, if there's continuous mistakes being made. But like I said, that's not something that we luckily have to deal with yet. And then she also does the first interviews when we're hiring new people and lets me know if that's someone that she feels like would be a good fit. And then once we hire um, a new clinician, she's the one that does the trainings. Uh, We also used to have interns that would take clients who didn't have insurance or who were on Medicaid or Medicare, which we aren't able to take in Illinois, that they would see them on a like a very reduced, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 dollar per session. And she would do the supervision and the continuity of care with the interns and the school. Um, We don't do that anymore. This is the first year that we're not doing that because our offices are full with clinicians. But that's something else that she does. So I found that it was a huge stress relief to have her because it not only was it not just me that everyone would have to go to, they had someone else when I wasn't around to go to. And it also just felt good to give some trust out. Hard being a group practice owner in that sense because everything falls on you at the end of the day. And that doesn't change if you have a clinical director, but it does feel nice to know that there's someone that you can trust that can hold fort when you're not around. So that's my clinical and admin staff that I have. I did at one time have a marketing person that was a, a friend of mine who had a you know a degree in that, and that was really helpful in you know marketing not in person but doing a lot of these online marketing stuff. So I know uh, some practices that do have that, and I can see how that would be a benefit if you have the finances and resources to find someone and use them. Just uh, I think the most important piece of that is being clear on what you need them to do. And then another question I have on here is how do you market yourself as a clinician for your group and individually for your clinicians? Did you or do you have issues with referrals wanting to come to you specifically and how you work through that? I actually wrote a blog article about this as well, so you can always take a look at that. But um, what I found to be really going well, I, I find this to be successful, is that I market myself to the populations that I work with. So I, like I said in last uh, yesterday's episode that I have a drug and alcohol counselor, I'm not a CADC uh, and I don't work with clients on the, on, with those kind of concerns. So I don't market myself there to places like hospital substance abuse programs or uh, residential treatment facilities, but she does because that's within her niche and that makes sense. So what I found to be helpful is that I market myself to the populations and areas where um, those clients go because I want those referrals directly. Um, Each of my clinicians will market themselves as well to the populations and areas that they have their niche in or their preferred populations are at. And then I market the group practice as a whole, not in person, but online. So, or in like not in person. So in, in magazines or newspapers and um, my name isn't specifically tied to it. My business name is. So the likelihood of someone finding information like in our neighborhood newspaper. I put flyers in there every once in a while. My name isn't anywhere in there, so they wouldn't know that I'm the owner and they're not going to call and want me specifically. They're going to call because they see that urban wellness fits, you know, their child needs counseling and um, they are having issues relating to their daughter who is adopted. They might see that we specialize in that, which we have a therapist who does. So when they call, 
um, they'll know that there's a specific therapist for them here. So I market myself in person, meeting with other therapists. I find that to be the number one way that I get referrals. And my clinicians do the same themselves in person. And then I market my group practice as a whole indirectly or not in person. So online or through through paper or print. Um, I hope that makes sense. Let's see what other questions there are here. What are your future goals for your group practice? Well, like I had said yesterday, I'm in the process of looking for a second location and I think that will be it for me. I'm not very businessy, so having a lot of locations isn't isn't my thing, but I think one more um not too far away from where we're at now is my is my goal. Uh, it was something I was thinking about was either expanding my current practice and make it even larger, one larger space, or have another one that's kind of the same size as this one. And I ended up deciding on the second option because um, I think having such a large single space for me would be overwhelming, but having another you know, five or six office space is something that I can handle better if they were separate versus altogether one 12 office, 5,000 square foot space. So my last question for myself is how is your group practice structured in regards to the client process? And I think this is something we don't think about and we kind of, we, we do what we know and we adjust as we uh, go through this process. But having this kind of outlined in a, in a good way is, is going to be the most successful and least time consuming and make it less anxiety provoking for you is to get that kind of setup or structure within your business um, put together as much as possible before you hire a bunch of clinicians. So my client process is they call our main line and that line goes to our one of our clinicians who does the intakes. She will talk with them over the phone or if they email through email about what their needs are and then we'll schedule that appointment with the best fitting therapist or if they have a therapist in mind if that person isn't full then that therapist will email the clinician they um, scheduled with as well as our billing person the information they'll say you know you have someone scheduled for tuesday at this time and this is their insurance uh, information and my billing person will then check their benefits and send an email over to the therapist with the benefit information before the first session so that they can talk with their client at the first session about that. The intake person will also email the client the our client paperwork so they can fill it out before the first session. I know Therapy Notes is in the process of updating their patient portal so that the clients will be able to do it online at some point, And I'm super excited about that to get as paperless as possible. So once that happens, the client comes in for their appointment, brings their insurance card. If they're using insurance, our therapist will make a copy of that, take their paperwork, go over it with them, make sure they don't have questions, talk about the HIPAA part, talk about our, our policies with social media and all that stuff, and then um, check if they p- uh, put their credit card information. We have a credit card on file form, and if they fill that out, then once per month we charge for all sessions from the previous month. And if they don't want to fill that out, then they pay their copay or deductible or their full fee at each session. So they have that option, one or the other. And that's the setup for what a client will go through from first call through their first appointment. All right. 
So tomorrow I'll be back and I'll be talking specifically about the staff hiring process, staff management, and all of that fun stuff. So I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Group Practice Exchange.